Hi there, and welcome to the Nerds of Business podcast. My name is Darren Moffat. I'm a director at WebBuzz, the growth marketing agency, and I'm your host. We do love a party here at Nerds of Business, and yes, we're celebrating once again. Regular listeners will recall that back in episode four, Apple Podcasts added us to their new and noteworthy section. That expanded the reach of our show to over 55 countries around the world. Well, now we've hit a really auspicious milestone. Nerds of Business has cracked 10,000 downloads in just three months. For a wholly independent show, not aligned to any mainstream media organization, this is pretty amazing. And it's all because of you, our listeners. As a way to say thanks for your support, we're running our first promotional competition. We've got 10 very cool limited edition Nerds of Business t-shirts to give away. If you'd like to win one, go to webbuzz.com.au forward slash nerds. That's webbuzz.com.au forward slash nerds. And you'll find our social media links there. Click through to any of our social accounts, find the post with your favorite episode, and share that out to your network with a few words on how that episode helped you crack the code to growth in your own venture. Don't forget to tag us so we can see your share. And if you're one of the first 10, I'll then message you directly to organize delivery of your prize. And when you go to our socials, you're in for a bit of a treat. We've posted photos of some of our nerds from season one modeling the t-shirt design that you could win. So if you want to put a face to the voices of the guests you've been hearing so far, check out the socials at webbuzz.com.au forward slash nerds. We start today's episode with a quick game of word association. What brand do you think of when you hear these three words? Freedom, motorcycle, rebel. Here's another clue. If you're of a certain age and you've already experienced the joys of midlife crisis, you might have bought one of their products. Yes, I'm talking about the legendary Harley-Davidson Motorcycle Company. They're renowned for having some of the most loyal customers in the world. But in our opening story, we take a detour into the back roads of their history that might surprise you. The year is 2009. The famous motorcycle business, Harley-Davidson, is beginning to sense trouble ahead. Founded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in 1903, it survived two world wars and a depression to become an iconic brand synonymous with American rebel culture. But the leadership team sends danger ahead. Their domestic customer base is aging and product sales are beginning to slow. Without the stimulus of new markets to keep driving sales growth, the mighty brand could become vulnerable or even eventually die. The leadership team looked to the east and specifically to the rising economic powerhouse of India. Recent economic growth has seen the new middle classes swell. The subcontinent offers a tantalizing opportunity for Harley-Davidson to expand its horizons. But will the intense brand loyalty steeped in Western culture that has been such a driver of profits for Harley-Davidson transfer to the East? The key lies in the Harley's owner's group, or HOG as it's known for short. 
with 1 million members worldwide. It's the biggest motorcycle club in the world. And it just so happens they already have thousands of members in India, even though the business has no presence on the ground. So in 2009, when Harley-Davidson go to establish local dealerships, the community of brand loyalists who make up the Indian hog membership begin to spread the word. By 2020, Harley-Davidson has established 33 local dealerships across India and the subcontinent is a key source of growth. And it was all possible because of the intense brand loyalty of the original Indian Harley motorcycle riders. Harley-Davidson is actually a rich case study in all aspects of brand marketing. The fact that you were probably able to identify them through word association goes to their powerful brand positioning, for instance. And when it comes to brand loyalty at Harley-Davidson, although there are dozens of angles we could talk about, I think the most fascinating of all is its sense of tribalism. In fact, the Harley-Davidson community has been described by some branding experts as a benign cult. This is defined as any group of people who are intensely devoted to a person, place or thing, but where the relationship between the follower and the cult is harmless or even positive. Benign cults are never destructive. They don't harm their followers physically or mentally. They're inclusive. They welcome anyone who wants to belong and there's no price of admission other than simply being enthusiastic about the brand. Apple devotees are another classic example of a benign cult. Is there any other way to explain the adoring crowds who line up for hours just to be the first in their peer group to purchase the latest smartphone, for instance? The important thing about benign cults is that they help feel the emotional needs of their followers in a positive way. They derive a clear, easily identifiable benefit from membership to the benign cult. But it's the payoff to the brand itself that's big business. It generates an intense brand loyalty that keeps margins high and sales flowing. Now, you might not aspire to be a cult leader or even the next Steve Jobs, but regardless of the size of your business or the industry in which you operate, some degree of brand loyalty is crucial if you want to succeed. So how can you grow brand loyalty to such an extent that customers buy from you again and again and even become advocates for your business to their friends and family? I love data. I love kind of looking through data. You need to have systems. You need to have structure. You're going to get chopped to pieces. Enthusiasm is unstoppable. We kind of hit a point where we were like, we need another leader. Surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and richer than you. (laughs) This is Nerds of Business. So the problem we're trying to solve and the title of today's episode is Brand Loyalty – How to Turn Customers into Raving Fans Who Grow the Business for You. We've lined up some great guests for today's show, including an international food brand, a small business owner, and a tech platform that has achieved a $1 billion valuation. We'll hear from our panel of nerds in a minute. But first, here's a quick reminder that if you're enjoying Nerds of Business, to please hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. It means you'll automatically receive each new episode every fortnight and it makes it easier for us to stay in touch. 
When it comes to the definition of brand loyalty, it's a pretty well understood concept that needs little further explanation here. However, from a technical perspective, there are actually a series of steps that need to take place in the mind of the customer before they can become loyal to any brand. Rachel Bevins is from The Healthy Brand Company. She's one of our two branding experts for this series. She's worked for some of the biggest brands in the world and consults to small and medium-sized businesses too. I asked her how big businesses use psychology to establish brand loyalty and how it works from a technical perspective. Brand loyalty is incredibly valuable, but I think you've got to think about what you mean as a business by brand loyalty. And I think that's the first thing to think about. And that there are lots of levels to go through before you get to supposedly to to brand loyalty. So you've actually got to get people to try the brand. They've got to like it. (laughs) Yes. So if you've promised this great brand to them and it doesn't live up to their expectations, then you're not going to get them. They're not on the path to loyalty. It's just a house of cards, yeah. Exactly. So right at the very beginning, you need to make sure whatever you're promising that you deliver against. Okay. So that's sort of almost like step one. (laughs) Yep, yep, great. Um, And then the other thing there is to make sure they don't have buyer's remorse. (laughs) Yes. Um, where you go, I wish I hadn't spent that money on that. Mm. Um, And another thing you might not, you know, another thing to stop that is um, if you've bought the purchase and it might have been just sort of an impulse purchase and you go, I wish I hadn't bought that, that's fine. But you can actually, there's actually things that you can put in place to prevent that as well. So congratulations for purchasing this this product yep. <laughs> or you know when you make sure you put your warranty in and there's a nice message that comes back saying congratulations positive reinforcement positive, positive yeah. reinforcement okay. yeah exactly so a let make sure the experience delivers against the purpose and then b tell people how wonderful they are for choosing that and that might even be they might see another tv ad or something which actually says that or it might be an email that says thanks for coming on board you know we're going to treat you really well and all this sort of stuff so um, there's a number, I think that all those sorts of elements come in and that's the start, that's really the start of the conversation. And so customer delight, I yes. think is part of this, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, here's a little story, I can, uh, what the device that we're recording this podcast on is the fantastic Roadcaster, and um, I purchased this just before Christmas and, and then they sent me in the mail a special little accessory pack for free. Nice. And... Of course, I was delighted, you know, it was, it was brilliant. Um, so uh, these guys are doing a great job at building that brand loyalty through customer delight, that positive reinforcement that you're talking about. And of course, now I'm vocalising this, you know, on a podcast. Um, and, and I guess that leads me to the next question. Uh, how important is brand loyalty to stimulate brand advocacy? They are connected, but they're not um, the only, I guess, they're not um, cause, it's not cause and effect per se. Mm -hmm. So if you've you've got your steps towards brand loyalty, so that's sort of, we've already talked about surprise and delighting your customer, A, when they first come on board and then continuing to do that over time. And that really is what's building the brand loyalty, getting them to purchase and repurchase and purchase Mm -hmm. more and trade up and so forth and get all those phases towards brand loyalty. at any point in that time, they can start talking about you. Yeah. And it might even be before they purchased you. Yep. So and that's brand ad- brand advocacy is someone who absolutely loves the brand and is shouting about it. Yeah. And so, and that might be via social media. It might be someone who you know, 
often talks about your brand over barbecues or in mm. social environments or whatever it is, that's really brand ag- advocacy. So they are going to be, you know, there is it is going to be related. Yep. So the more loyal customers you have, if you've got them, if you're continually to giving them, um, you know, fantastic experiences that they're going to talk about mm-hmm. and reasons to talk about your brand, like sticky messages, exciting new things, um, that they're going to talk about, then they're going to be brand advocates. Yep. And some of your most loyal customers might be your biggest brand loyal uh, brand advocates. But if I go back to, um, you know, examples, I would say I'm a brand loyalist for Qantas, but I and I'm a brand advocate. But I actually haven't purchased a Qantas flight for over twelve months. Oh, so you know, okay. So you might. I would all often say, yeah, they're a great brand. I would recommend them. So that's my advocacy piece. Yeah, I would always choose them first as a as a brand, mm-hmm. but I'm not necessarily purchasing them at the moment because I'm not travelling so much. Yeah. <laughs> or the the opportunities to travel have been with other people, in which case it's another it's another provider. Sure, sure. So you know, you've got these different aspects to take into account. Yeah. Um, other. Uh, the other thing with brand loyalty is, and I'll use the Qantas example again, which is they've got a great frequent flyer database mm-hmm. um, of all of these supposedly very loyal customers. A lot of them aren't talking about the brand, so then they haven't necessarily become brand advocates. Yep. Um, and I think, and you can also have brand advocates who are not even who are not really purchasers to your brand, so um, or consumers of your brand. So whether that's um, you know mums with their kids, like they go, yeah, these brands are great, but they don't actually eat it themselves. It's actually all for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, or they might you know uh, kids in the playground. It might be something that's really cool to talk about, but it's not necessarily something that they're purchasing themselves. Yeah. Well, my eight year old's currently uh, talking a lot about TikTok. Um, oh right, yeah. So he wants to get on TikTok. <laughs> Uh, so, so, yeah, it's a brand advocate, you know, yeah. so you're a brand advocate. And today, after seven episodes so far as our branding nerd, it was finally Rachel's turn on the Nerdometer. Let's see how she went. Uh, okay, Rachel, so uh, you're obviously uh, the branding nerd, uh, the branding specialist. Um, we're now going to introduce you to a, uh, a segment here at Nerds of Business called... The Nerdometer. So when it comes to branding um, and, you know, sort of being a nerd about branding, like out of 10, what score would you give yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Seven. (laughs) A solid seven. Okay. That's great. That's pretty nerdy. Yeah. Well, look, you know, uh, certainly in the chat today, it's been a lot of uh, technical nerdy stuff. So that's, uh, that's very strong. Fast-moving consumables, such as the food brands you find in supermarkets, are perhaps the all-time masters of fostering brand loyalty. Their goal is to get you to purchase the same item every time you go grocery shopping, ideally without even thinking about it. They know that brand loyalty drives repeat sales, which at scale provides the volume required for profitable retail products. Pix Peanut Butter is one of the most beloved food brands in the world. Pick Pico founded this business about 13 years ago and it now turns over about $30 million per year. I spoke to Pick and asked him how does he generate brand loyalty for his product? Well, people 
try it, you know, and they like it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we endeavour to be a company that people uh, are going to be happy to give their money to. And I think, and people take that to heart and they talk about it, you know. And we want to be something that people talk about and, you know, and, and I've got my name in the jar, so... I, and I love I love meeting people, and I love saying, "Hey, oh, I'll make your peanut butter," you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and it's and it, and that's who I am, and and it gives me this, you know, incredible, you know, opportunity to to meet people and stuff. From well, I, I think, I, sorry, mm, I was just yeah. going to say that you know something that really struck me uh, in the research for for this chat is that your the. Your the humility of the company and yourself is 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 really stands out. There's a lot of humility uh, coming off the company and watching the videos and how you interact and the fact that you're so gracious and you're thanking customers like that's obviously real and that's that is unusual. That stands out. How often yeah, do you well, see a founder of a company saying thank you to their customers so often and so and 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 so with such authenticity? Um, and I think the other thing that's really popping out that might explain or have you know, be a, a contributing factor to your success is the storytelling. So people can talk about your brand because there's mm. lots of stuff around it to talk about. It's not just, <laughs> you know, it's not just yeah. a jar of peanut butter. It's a whole yeah. whole bunch of other stories and things attached to it. Yeah, yeah. So it is it is, it is, is fun. And, and you realise that, you know, you can build a story about stuff. I mean, we did a big toaster tour. We went from North Cape to Bluff on the big toaster, which is a big airstream, you think, with toast sticking out the top. Mm-hmm. and towed it around with an old Holden Ute. And I, as I was travelling, I thought, God, we're not meeting a lot of people. There weren't great hordes waiting at all the supermarkets and stuff when we turned up and started doing peanut butter on toast. Yep. But I thought, it doesn't really matter too much because we can tell the story about it later. Yep. And there are a few people in the country, yet, yeah, I saw you, I met, I saw your caravan going through Napier. And that just that's enough of that, you know, and, and the story... The story can be built up later. We've got a few photos from there and, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. And so, you know, you can build the legend around the story later on as long as you have it there, you know, as long as you've made something. You don't need to get, you know, heaps of TV crews watching and filming it while you're doing it or anything. You just need to have done it and to have a little bit of something about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And people love that, I think. Oh, they love it. And going right back to the early version of your site that I, I found on the Wayback Machine... Um, I'd love to. I'd, I'll get that off you at the end of the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll share it with you. And and what uh, the thing that really jumped out at me that I just loved was mm. that uh, the story uh, you had a headline or a piece uh, on the website about the peanut butter that killed Elvis. Do you remember right. that? There was some, <laughs> some crack about you know it's obviously a bit of a long tall story. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, that was on an early version of your site, and right, it's very yeah. similar to the you know the other content that you still have on the current version of the site. Uh, yeah. And I just thought, like, that makes the business stand out. That's something that people can talk about, have a laugh about, and yeah. that, that's really distinguishing it from the big conglomerates. You know, they're, they're they're not doing that stuff. They're not having fun. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. And, and also, you know, I mean, I used to, you know, I, I get very bored when people say, oh, yeah, what's your, this, this question of the year, is it smooth or crunchy? Whatever. I've always been a crunchy guy. And okay. I've been, you know, I would, you know, sort of half joking to say, well, you know, the crunchy is really nice, the smooth is rubbish, don't bother eating that. And that sort of surprised people, you know. Although, 
uh, once we started making the slugs, you know, the snack thing, the peanut butter is yep. 30 grams of snack to squeeze it in your mouth. And we make, we can only make that with smooth. And that actually converted me. So okay. that's got me enthusiastic about smooth peanut butter, but it didn't happen until we started making these slugs. But I don't think a lot of people would, you know, they'd be marketing. If you were a marketing guy and you were saying this is rubbish, you know, this product's rubbish, you know, this, don't worry about this. You know, you'd get terribly, you'd probably get sacked. But they can't sack me. You know, I can do it alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who needs a marketing guy anyway? Um, yeah. But how does this translate to a smaller business? For this, I turn back to our branding expert, Rachel Bevins. Yeah, so I think the one key thing I would say about brand about brand loyalty and about those kind of frequent frequent flyer programs or whatever they are is actually these days is building a database of customers. Yeah. So that enables you to talk directly to your customers and that's one of the biggest benefits of yeah. it. Um, it is very time-consuming um, but it, I think in today's day and age where we're going increasingly um, technolo- you know, really t- technology is integrated and it's all mm. about user experience online as well uh, to offline and having a seamless experience between the two is that you kind of need to know who the customer is to be doing that. So actually having a custom database really helps you do that and it also helps you talk to them and keep them in the fold. Yeah, and to that point there are some interesting plays in the sort of food retailing space like in cafes and restaurants now there are some apps um the one that springs to mind is uh, one called hey you uh yeah. where you know you it used to be called beat the queue you know yeah. and it solved a problem um where cafes would have these regular people that would come in and buy coffees every morning but they wouldn't know anything about them they wouldn't yeah. know barely know their name and so on and now they by getting people onto these apps they've got their data Yep. And they're then able to have, build a database and there's a lot of value in yeah. that. So would you say broadly that the smaller businesses uh, in terms of, you know, trying to sort of grow that brand loyalty, ultimately it's about getting data and building a database. Would that be right? I think that's a big aspect to it is well, it's really um, understanding your consumer and being able to talk to them or you know, your customer and being able to talk to them more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if you're in a very crowded market, if you've got a, a method of getting of communicating to them yep. without having to you know, do massive outdoor. As a smaller business, you don't necessarily mm-hmm. have the money for um, big outdoor and you can't afford to be lost in an outdoor environment. Yep. So it might be that um, – so generally – by having that database, by you know, building a database of people that you can talk to regularly, send them stuff, mm-hmm. get them involved, communi- continually communicate to them what it is that you're about, what you stand for, yep. um, and you know, really, I guess, have a place for the brand in their lives, whatever yep. that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think that's really beneficial. And so you can see that effective database management is essential if you want to grow brand loyalty. In my experience, consulting to businesses at WebBuzz, the growth marketing agency, this is where many small business owners fall down. One entrepreneur who had passed the test with flying colours is Victoria Costa. Victoria is the founder of Credit Fix Solutions, one of the leading credit repair providers in Australia. She's been on the show before. You might recall her from episode five on how to grow brand awareness. I asked her what she's done to build brand loyalty, particularly in the B2B part of her small business. I suppose it's just keeping your messaging the same and and really 
you know, just just make sure that everywhere within your business that that messaging is consistent. You know, if I if I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to charge you, and then you know you speak to one of my BDMs and she says, well, actually it's four hundred bucks up front, but we'll refund you. Um, you're going to lose trust. Um, but my message has just always been the same, and that goes from the top top down all the way down to to you know um you know the scenarios team who are getting the leads in yep. uh, the business development managers um the staff that we have in administration who do an amazing job mm-hmm. um but also we have a mantra here is to be warm and fuzzy so wherever we go it's we're here to help you we're here to help your business and we never ask for sales um we never have we, we, we are offering coffees, we're offering workshops, we're, we're at um, their events, you know, where our referral partners are. And I mean, at the moment, we've got everyone at the phone, on the phones, just calling our brokers and just saying, hey, are you okay? Um, how is everything? You know, yeah. um, are you all right? You know, given 2020 and what it's panned out to be like so far. And they really appreciate that. And yeah, okay, the BDMs might be doing 20 calls a day, but you know, our focus is, is to have meaningful conversations and they are. And then every day from that, we're getting in four or five credit reports um, that we can work on. So yeah, we're just very, very nice, caring people. It's not, we're just not salesy. And that, that just comes from me because that's my personality. I I hate selling. I've never, never been in sales. I was before this, I was in home loans and I was in processing and I was happy to be behind the computer um, you know, before that I did some bar work, but I was behind the bar. Right. So, you know, <laughs> I, I like, I personally like being in front of the bar. That's, yeah, that, yeah. I do, I do yeah, some of my yeah, best work well in front of the days, bar. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyone who's launched a tech startup or worked in e-commerce will know that brand loyalty works a little differently in the online space. This is especially apparent in what they call SaaS businesses or software as a service businesses. I spoke to Dr. Rob Newman, the CEO of online mapping platform Nearmap. Nearmap is listed on the ASX 200 and has achieved a $1 billion valuation as a provider of mapping services to SMEs. Rob's also been on the show before and listen to what he's got to say about how a tech company goes about growing brand loyalty. Now, your model is a SaaS model. Um, mm-hmm. The value proposition is very compelling, and because it's a subscription model, um, you know, if the subscriber is deriving sufficient value, they're just going to stick on that subscription. So, right. in a sense, it's a little easier in many cases for SaaS models to foster brand loyalty. But what specific measures have you done to promote that and try and you know um, really make those customers sticky? maybe upsell and cross-sell sell them into other products and so on? Yeah, no, I think there's, you've kind of touched on one of the two sides of this. So one of them is providing value that goes deeper into the customer's workflow. So, you know, as you can tell, if you provide a kind of a 2D aerial image, um, you know, they can look at it, but if somebody provided the same service, is it easy to swap from our service to another service, right? Yeah. Um, so providing extra value content through our 3D content through our semi-automatic generation of roof geometry, through our artificially derived um, AI attributes, through our NearMap on open solar solutions for providing a specific solution for a specific industry, getting deeper into the customer's workflow and providing more and more value just means it's harder and harder for them to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to move to something and something else, right? Yeah. So continuing that product 
journey towards deeper integration into a customer's workflow. Makes now that's a B two B story, of course, right? Mm-hmm. The second piece is uh, customer experience, right? So even if there is an equivalent offering, um, you know, understanding uh, customer NPS, why there are detractors, where the difference in detractors are, if there are detractors. Um, you know, we have a very high customer NPS and our users absolutely love our product because they That's basically can... nerdy. I'll just, uh, we'll cut in with the nerdy factor there again. You're really nerding out here, Rob. We love it here at Nerd to Business. That's what it's all about. So uh, <laughs> unpack the, 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 that term, the customer NPS that you just explained. Yeah, customer NPS. So net promoter score. Yes. Um, most people would have seen it, which is, you know, if you're filling in any survey, give me a score on zero to 10 as to how likely you are you are to refer me to somebody else, right? And basically, NPS is scored. If you get a nine, if, if the user gives you a nine or a 10, you get a plus one. If you get a, I think it's a six, seven, eight, you get a zero. And if it's lower than that, you basically get a minus one. So all of those detractors, um, the people that give you kind of six or less, kind of pull your score down below zero. All those people that are positive pull your score up. Um, so if you have a zero, it means you've got as many promoters of your services, detractors. Yep. If you have a score of 50 or above, you're a fantastic business, right? Yeah. So we focus on that. And that gives us then um, an indication of, okay, how do our customers feel about us? And we have a great uh, NPS. What is, what is it at the moment? Uh, we don't actually probably talk about it, but it's, it's way up there with the best SaaS companies globally, right? Wow, okay. And we've put in place a dedicated customer experience team who make sure that, um, that we are doing the right by, doing right by our customers. And where there are issues, we go back to, okay, why is there an issue here? Is there something systemic in how we treat our customers? Is there something systemic in how we deliver our product to our customers so we can then, again, address those issues? So, look, you know, as, as the business grows and we have over 10,000 customers globally, um, well over 100,000 users on a monthly basis, um, you know, you can't go, as we talked about before, see the color of the eyes of every one of your users and customers. Yep. So you need tools like uh, Net Promoter Score to give you that insight and then use the language from the um, open text commentary to kind of say, you know what, we, we probably need to improve the ease of integration into this particular tool or we probably need to um, you know, provide an extra tool here to make it easier or make our tools easier to access or something like that. Mm-hmm. Those are the things. So, yeah, that's, that's, the, um, that's the second part of it. So the problem we set out to solve in this episode was brand loyalty, how to turn customers into raving fans who grow the business for you. Our branding expert, Rachel, from the Healthy Brand Company, has revealed how brand loyalty works from a technical perspective and why it's so important for every business. And we've also heard some real-life stories from our entrepreneur guests, Pick Pico at Pick's Peanut Butter and Victoria Costa from Credit Fix Solutions, as well as Dr. Rob Newman from Nearmap. I hope their wisdom and insights have given you ideas to crack the code to growth in your own business. For me, however, there are several important takeaways from this episode. Firstly, you need to step your customers through all the necessary prerequisites before they can become loyal to your brand. As we heard from Rachel, they first need to be aware of your brand, they need to try it and engage with it, and they actually need to like it. You then need to make it easy for them to keep buying from you. So you actually have to do a lot of the basics we've covered in previous episodes of this series before you can hope to inspire any brand loyalty in your customers. Secondly, developing a relationship with your customers is important. For a retail product like 
picks peanut butter, this might be through social media or advertising campaigns. But for a service business, it might be something as simple as a schedule of regular client phone calls. Creating an experience of customer delight should be high on your priority list. Finally, effective database management is essential for brand loyalty. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, this is where smaller businesses often fall down. If you don't build and maintain a contact database of your past, present and future customers, it's much harder to communicate any loyalty scheme or promotional offers to them. So be sure to invest in a CRM and email marketing. As we heard in the Harley Davidson story at the top of the episode, brand loyalty is so powerful, it can even help brands break into a new market with a completely different culture. But it's clear that brand loyalty is earned and not given. It demands a commitment to deliver on your value proposition consistently over time. You might think that sounds like a lot of effort, but remember it's always easier and cheaper to sell more products to an existing customer than to acquire a new one. Not to mention the higher margins that good brands command for their products. And if you're still not sold, consider this. Your existing customers are your best potential source of free advertising. Brand advocacy is perhaps the ultimate payoff for developing a loyal customer base. So if you want to turn your customers into raving fans who help you grow the business by spreading word of mouth, give them the tools they need to tell your story. And that all starts with a feeling of affinity and loyalty to your brand. We're coming to the end, but before we go, it's time for our regular segment, Nerd Under Pressure, where a guest has to share one killer hack or tip they recommend for you, our listeners. Let's find out who is our Nerd Under Pressure today. Okay, Pick, um, we now come to a special segment of ours called... Nerd Under Pressure. And it's, ooh, it's a bit spooky. It's a bit spooky. Uh, this yeah. is where we have a bit of fun, and um, we put to you um, a request for for one killer tip around you know something that uh, can add a lot of value to our listeners. And and today today's killer hack that we'd like to ask you uh, about is uh, brand loyalty. Um, what is one great tip you could give to entrepreneurs for growing brand loyalty? And I'll give you five seconds thinking time now. So, oh my goodness. Uh, okay. Yeah, you're on. Enthusiasm mm-hmm. is unstoppable. You know, if you're enthusiasm, enthusiastic about your product, you'll make other people enthusiastic about it. People want to be part of anything that's – if you're showing enthusiasm, people want to be a part of it, no matter what it is. And so if you're not enthusiastic about what you're doing, go and do something else. So thanks for listening to the seventh episode of Nerds of Business. If you've enjoyed it, please leave a review on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps us climb up the ranks and become more visible to other people just like you. Remember, we want to help as many entrepreneurs and business owners as possible. If you've got a question or some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can engage with us at webbuzz.com.au forward slash nerds. That's webbuzz.com.au forward slash nerds. So feel free to reach out and say hello. And don't forget to enter our competition this week. I want to thank all of our guests and the team at Webbuzz for helping me put this show together. 
We'll be back in two weeks with our next episode, which is a big one. It's the B2B branding special. Until then, I'm your host, Darren Moffat, and I look forward to nerding out with you next time. Bye for now.